You are listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast, a podcast that encourages leaders pursuing the Great Commission. Well, welcome to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Withers, and I wanted to thank you for listening with us today. I'm excited to hear from Lonnie Tucker. Lonnie is a the pastor of one church in Hammond, Louisiana. They're on the beginning side of a church plant there, so I'm excited to hear uh, about his story and just some of the things that they're going to be doing in their church, and I hope you are as well. Lonnie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Graham, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about it, buddy. Lonnie has uh, got some mutual friends uh, down at the Field Church. We've had a few of their guys on on this podcast before, and uh, he's doing some great work in a, in a similar area, a close area to where they are in Mandeville. And so, Lonnie, let's just get started. I'd just love to hear your story, kind of how you've gotten to the ministry position that you're in today. Yeah, man, absolutely, bro. Uh, again, Graham, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited, bro, about yep. uh, talking about the gospel, man. Absolutely. Always great to talk about Jesus, man. Uh, so listen, bro, I, I grew up, man, uh, in a family uh, of gospel singers and preachers, um, a family that was known for being a, uh, a preacher's family in, in the city of Hammond, Louisiana. Um, my mom was a choir director. My uh, grandfather was the pastor. And so uh, I was baptized at uh, Confess Jesus at seven years old, baptized in uh, junior high school. Uh, I became somewhat prodigal. Uh, mm. High school and college, I became all the way prodigal. Mm. And uh, around, uh, what, maybe four, five months before my 21st birthday, man, I, I recommitted my life to Jesus. Uh, maybe the next three to four months, man, I surrendered to preach the gospel. I uh, started there at my home church as the uh, youth minister, uh, kind of right away, man. My grandmother was actually working with the youth, and uh, when I began to preach, she was like, uh, you're it, you know, and <laughs> so uh, I kind of became the youth minister at my home church, And uh, but I was looking for something, man. I, I just didn't know what was missing, uh, just that holy discontent, man. You heard the story. Uh, Got to be more than just going to church, you know, yeah. and um uh, had a friend whose father was a Southern Baptist pastor in our city. I went to be with him. I remember him leading our prayer for our football team. And so I ended up going to that church. My wife, this is, uh, my wife and I got married uh, 2001. So this is a couple of years, uh, well, maybe a year or so after. And uh, we went to, you know, this particular church, Woodland Park Baptist Church, joined that church. I was there a little less than three years, and I was asked to plant a church, uh, you know, to consider that. And that was something, man, that I absolutely did not want to ever do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in, in my context, and in the neighborhood I was, I was from, if anyone was building a new church, that meant there was an angry deacon or angry, you know. Right. <laughs> board director, you know, uh, board, you know, uh, somebody was angry. And so it had a, you know, a negative stigma. And I, so I just, oh my goodness, I didn't want to play in a child. So when they really made me understand it, I began to see it through a gospel lens and got to really chance, a uh, chance to embrace really what it was. And, you know, uh, man, I, I, I planted a church uh, in the near uh, town called Covington, Louisiana, not, not far from Mandeville where, where Sam and Chad are. And, uh, man, I planted a church in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit the same year. Wow. Uh, and, man, when we planted the church, uh, it was actually taking off. I mean, really, really 
uh, swiftly, you know, uh, much more fast, faster than I was ready for being a new guy, never pastored before, you know, uh, but things, God was doing some wonderful things. A hurricane hit the building we were using, uh, the complete roof was blown off. Oh my goodness. And so we didn't have any place to worship. Uh, <clears throat> just weeks after we were looking at a building, uh, before the storm, uh, the building was $242,000. And in three weeks, it went from 242 to 646. Wow. You know, um, because of, you know, uh, after the storm. And and so, the, but that's how I got into church planting, man. And from that, that very church, uh, people wouldn't let me quit. You know, uh, I had people, I was, you know, kind of sitting on my hands like, God, what's next? You know, do I just go back to our sponsoring church? And I just become a member there. And I had people calling me saying, hey, what do I do with my tithe? You know, mm -hmm. what do I do with my offering? You know, so... It was like people would let me quit. And so um, from there, we ended up planting several other locations, campuses uh, of Stillwater Baptist Church uh, was our very first church we planted. And from there, we planted uh, several others as far as uh, uh, Franklin, Louisiana, Franklinton, Louisiana, um, you know, Southwest East Louisiana. We planted several different churches that were a part of uh, many different works and, and saw the Lord do great things. And so... Uh, from there, I, then uh, in 2017, uh, that was 2005 we started, 2017, we, um, my wife and I resigned from Stillwater, uh, one of the toughest things I've ever had to do in my life. Uh, it felt like a funeral, man, mm -hmm. and um, it was so gut-wrenching. Uh, but anyway, the Lord, we felt the Lord calling us to do a work in the city. Mm -hmm. And so we went to this, uh, New Orleans. We planted a church there with Celebration Church. Um, you know, planted there, and after three years, uh, we felt the Lord called us to come back to the North Shore, and that there was more work, and that's where we actually met Sam and Chad from the Field Church, and uh, these guys, we just had, man, uh, so, such a similar vision and a similar heart uh, for the gospel and missions and, you know, uh, ministry, and so we partnered, and uh, they actually uh, became our sponsoring church for you know, the new church that we were going to actually replant uh, a church in Hammond, Louisiana, uh, an area called Old Baton Rouge Highway, you know, they called it OB. And so an area that was kind of forgotten about, uh, we feel throughout the many years that just kind of left, left aside, left alone. And so we went there, um, that church there, uh, was Redemption Christian Center Church, uh, we, um, the agreement was that we would totally restart. Um, well, it's kind of hard, man. I, I've seen and been a part of task force for revitalization and replants. And uh, it's a tough thing for a lot of people, man. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of change that people have a hard time with, uh, new leadership. And uh, this was one of those times, man, that it was a little more difficult than they expected yeah. and uh, kind of retracted on some things. and. Um, so we kind of had to make some uh, decisions to go in different directions. That's a long story uh, and a lot to say about that. But we ended up going in different, a different direction, which brings us here today where we're so excited uh, because of, you know, of course, not because of the division in our country, but we feel like the Lord has given us uh, just a mindset. Um, and, I, and I feel like God has called me to be a bridge, you know, um, I've been one when I went to that church, that first Southern Baptist church, uh, it was what, um, <laughs> uh, I'd say 498 
white Americans uh, and, and, and me and my wife, you know, like we, <laughs> yeah. so, okay. so I mean, and it was totally different for us. Sure. Music was totally different. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're blown away when there were certain songs they would ask about that we had never heard before, you know, and it was their jam, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was their jam. And so it's uh, totally different. But again, uh, we feel like we're, the, we're, we're a bridge, man, and we can bridge people together, bring people together. And again, we're, you know, so we're calling our new church plant, uh, we're calling it One Church. And we're basing on Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6, you know, uh, we call it the ones, you know, one faith, one baptism, one, one God of all. You know, so uh, that's what we want to see because we believe the gospel does that. The gospel is a bridge. The gospel brings people together. You know, when we realize that we meet at the you know, feet of Jesus, you know, no matter what color you are, no matter who you are, how much money you have, you have got to come to Jesus, mm. you know. Yeah, and great. so we believe our church uh, we want to be that. We want to be the, the 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 people who get in the middle of the of the conflict and uh, bring us together. Those that are uh, extremists, those who are, are more mildly, you know, uh, those who are you know angry, as well as those on, on both sides, you know, those who feel like all lives matter, those who feel like Black lives matter, you know, bring it. You know, we want to be the bridge, man. And we just felt like, what better time? than to plant a church right now called One Church, yeah. you know, unifying our community. Yeah. So. so that's kind of what what brings us where we are. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Man. That's all. Yeah, I love hearing that, uh, the vision of, of, of One Church just beginning uh, from a biblical foundation in Ephesians 4. And uh, I'm excited to hear more about that just in terms of your all's uh, evangelism and discipleship strategy that, that you guys are going to be living out um, from the beginning. So that's really cool. That you get to, to yeah. really live out that vision before we get into that. I'm curious, like you've, you've seemed like you've had a, a several different church planning, uh, experiences in your past. What are maybe just a few different, uh, lessons that you've learned along the way in terms of multiple church plants that you're going to be using, uh, for this new work in Hammond? Yeah, man, you know, that's, that's, that's great. You asked that question. That's been a, that's a heavy discussion, you know, uh, going into something new, you're trying to reflect back. Yeah. Okay. What all do we not do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what all do we not do? What do we, we not do again? And, uh, one of the things, man, that, that stands out the most is cling to the Bible, hmm. cling good. to the Bible, man. I know that sounds so simple, but man, it's so easy to drift away from the way that Jesus built his church. Yeah, that's right. You know, the way that he designed it. You know, and I, I just, you know, uh, I, I wondered, our question has been, hey, if it if it's not the way Jesus built it, is it even a church, mm. you know, that's or good. is it just an organization that's trying to uh, just uh, be similar to what Jesus, and not the same, but be similar, yeah. you know, and I believe that's a lot of times why churches, uh, some churches don't have power mm. because we hadn't built the church the way Jesus designed it. So, so that's one thing that has stood out to us. Listen, let's cling to the Bible. Yeah. Let's build the church exactly the way that Jesus built it. Of course, the, the context is different. We understand that. And, uh, but at the same time, there are some things that are a bedrock that we just cannot move or replace or, you know, uh, you know, put a, put a cloud over it, make it foggy, you know, but we have to, you know, uh, build the church according to uh, what Jesus said the church should look like. And what the, and I believe when it looks the way it's supposed to look, I believe that we can accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. Hmm. So, so that's one thing that's, yeah. that stands out. Also, man, just, um, 
making sure that again we don't we don't we don't focus on programs but people you know that we make people the priority man you know jesus was moved with compassion about people not a program you know uh not because something started late and you know and <laughs> it didn't look the way he thought it should have looked you know mm-hmm. and the, the stage lights were flickering or whatever <laughs> no jesus was moved with compassion about people man when he saw people who were wandering when he saw people who didn't you know were like sheep with no shepherd he was moved and so we want to make people the main thing man and you know and capture you know the great commandment love god with all our heart and our neighbors ourselves so uh, those very simple things man and sometimes we feel like you know that the church has gotten so complicated that when we simplify and just get back get back to the book of acts it's like a new thing yeah and it's like no bro it's not new like this is what Jesus meant for it to look like, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, man, so those are, those are kind of the things. And of course there are many more, uh, but those are some of the things, the main things we're looking at, man, is that we want to stay focused and we want to accomplish what Jesus wants to accomplish yeah. through us. You're right on Lonnie, man. I, I do think it's those two things you said, the Bible and people, those are simple, but like, it is crazy to see how easy it is. And I think a lot of people do mean well, but it is very easy to get distracted. But going back to the Bible, going back to just loving people well, that's just what Jesus did, you know? And so uh, I love that. I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see how that kind of plays itself out over the next few months and years as you all continue to, to build uh, God's church in this area. So um, give us a little bit of context. Uh, you're, you guys are planting in Hammond. So tell us a little bit about what Hammond is like and just some information about maybe what, what it looks like to reach that area for Christ. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, in Hammond, Hammond, you know, one of the things I, I point out, I, talk, I, I love to talk about is, you know, Hammond is kind of a, it's the city of towns in our area. Like, you know, it's the bigger town of all the small towns. So Hammond kind of has a pride about itself, you know, even though it's a small town, man, with small town mentality, but we still, it's like Hammond has just enough, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is so significant with the people here. You know, I'm born and raised right here, so I could talk about us, you know, like, we have that, you know, just enough mentality to where sometimes we get stuck in that. We get stuck in enough, you know, not pushing. And so some some of the mindsets around here are, are kind of stubborn. Uh, they're kind of stubborn as in, hey, this is, you know, I mean, we're the town that has the mall. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the town that has Walmart. Now, there's all <laughs> these other towns around us, you know, but we're the, so we're kind of the, the big junior, you know, yeah, okay. of, of uh-huh. the area. And so with that, there comes a mindset with that, that, hey, just enough is okay. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we get stuck in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I mean, man, I just believe that we, we misrepresent who God is a lot because we have gotten stuck in just average and we've gotten stuck in just enough, you know, where there's also a religious spirit that comes out of that. Yeah. You know, hey, I don't, I don't necessarily have to give Jesus all. You know, I could give him some and I'm sure he's okay with that, you know, because that's our mindset. Yeah. Our mindset is average, you know. So if I just give Jesus kind of an average of me, you know, and, and I don't know if that makes sense, man, but that's what I see in my city, you know. So 
uh, a lot of times we, we have people who are just these casual Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them hadn't been to church, man, in some five, six years. You know, and we know that salvation is not based on a church membership. But, you know, that's what we equate it to, you know, as a people here. Uh, but a lot of them, you'll say, you know, hey, man, where, where you worship? You know, I worship at boom. They got a church. Mm. Now, they may not have been there in 10 years, <laughs> yeah. but they got one. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? You know, sometimes you ask, hey, yeah, what's the pastor name over there? You're like, uh, <laughs> good question. You know, the little guy. <laughs> you, know, you know, so some have just gotten stuck in this religious rut because of the makeup of the city, mm-hmm. because of the convenience of the city, because of the convenience of our town. And so with that, okay, now in history, what happens too also is there's not a whole lot of money here. You know, there is, of course, you, there's always a small group of people that have the wealth, you know what I'm saying? That's very popular everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we're usually called, God usually calls us to areas that are marginalized. God just calls us to those uh, that are filled with have nots more than haves. And so there's a blessing and there's a difficulty there. You know, when you're planting a church, of course we know that, you know, ministry is costly. You know, there's a cost to do ministry. It's not free. I know I know how sweet Jesus is and we offer him every day and he is free. But man, it's you know, you have those who are who are hungry. You know, the book of James talks about, you know, saying putting something in their belly, you know. Um, you know, so what happens, so the difficulty, or let's talk, let's look at the, the, the blessing in it. The blessing is when you have people who seem or feel that they are tangibly hopeless. They're, they, they're, they're looking for any hope. So when you share the gospel to a person that's in that condition, they are more eager to hear the gospel and even receive it with the hope of, hey, things are going to be better than this one day. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. well, on the flip side of that, long term ministry costs money. And so a lot of the resources are just not there in those communities. And if there's no external help, just as Paul would, you know, uh, you know, ask for help for those that were in need. If there's no external help, it's almost impossible uh, to have lasting ministry uh, to take place in some of these communities. Mm -hmm. So that's the blessing that, okay, yeah, they are eager to help, but sometimes the resources are a shortage. You know, as we try to continue to minister to some people, because some are so hopeless, we say, you know, they ought to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Well, some don't have boots, mm. you know, <laughs> some some don't even have a start or, you know, and I'm talking mindset. Yeah. Like they don't even see themselves in a different place. They don't even see themselves being able to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, be be on their own and build their own life and you know some some don't have that so you have to include that in the gospel you know and so and a lot of times you know uh, you know again the resources are just not there and so that's what makes it hard and so you know what that means for the church planter it means how much are you sold out to this Mm. you know how kingdom minded are you are you willing to give up your 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 last loaf of bread are you willing to, you know, for for the church? My wife, if she was here, she would say amen very loudly that you have to be willing to, okay, what are you willing to give away out of your home, hmm. you know, for the sake of other people, for the sake of the church or the ministry? We had, you know, when I first became a church plan, I think we had three computers, you know, they all went to the church, mm-hmm. you know, because the church needed it. There, there was ministry taking place. And so um, in, a, in, a, in a context like this, 
how, you know, uh, I'm going to say something, my wife would be mad if she ever say this, but how saved it are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how committed are you? How, yeah. how kingdom minded are you? Are you already thinking and considering heaven? You know, when you do this type of work, you already got to be considering heaven. Mm-hmm. You already got to be receiving heaven as some of your prize, some of your, some of your gain, you know, when you're really counting your losses here, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that makes sense, no, Graham. But no, that's great. It sounds to me like it's there's a uh, kind of like a weird like one one side of the like one half of the people I don't know if it's half or not but one we'll just say a half for right now one half of the people are people who are you know are a little bit more uh, like you, you need to convince them of of what it looks like to really give their life to Jesus and not just have him kind of like as a, a trophy on the trophy shelf or as a uh, you know a, a get to heaven type card but really show them what it looks like to truly follow Jesus but then the other side of it is there's a lot of people there who are uh, more pr- more prone to, to see the hope and the need for something outside themselves but there's still kind of that that challenge of not being able to to put all that towards them uh, without sacrificing something else on your your side so when you think about these two different types of people like what are some of the things that you and your core team um, are talking about in terms of how to reach these people with the gospel? Well, you know, and, and, and one of the things that that's uh, I should have mentioned, of course, there, there's a great Catholic community, mm-hmm. a Catholic, Catholic a- atmosphere here. So, you know, being that close, as close as we are to New Orleans, that, that Catholic spirit, you know, it, it, it bleeds over. Uh, so, so, so some of the staunchness is, is that too, is in the relig- religious spirit uh, is that, uh, you know, when we when we look at and our conversation, and, and that's why our conversation has been people first. You know, mm. let's let's focus on people. Let's focus on loving them because what we can, what we in, in, in our meeting, our our meeting just kept coming to the powerful word love to those that have and a little more staunch and a little more comfortable where they are. Love will break through that. Those who have no hope at all, you know, love will touch them in a certain way. Those who are in the brackish water, you know, to where, hey, you know, I got just enough where I don't feel so desperate that I need Jesus so bad. And, hey, I'm just a little, you know, I go to church on Easter, Christmas and Mother's Day, you know, and I feel good about myself for the rest of the week, rest of the year. Hey, got to be OK. I'll visit him next time. You know, so you have those people. So again, I, I, I think it's been love, man. I think it's been love. And of course, you know, John 13, you know, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples and we have love one to another. So our goal is to build the family on love, build our church, uh, our, our relationships on love and concern and, and doing it with the gospel right in the middle. Mm. You know, and so what does that mean? That means all of the attributes of the gospel. That's what I'm building our men on. Hey, man. So what does the gospel offer us? It offers us forgiveness. It offers us grace. It offers us mercy, long suffering, the patience of Jesus. Okay, so as a husband, are you carrying out those attributes with your wife? Are you patient with your wife? Are you loving with your wife? Are you demonstrating the very attributes of the gospel? And so with that, when people see that demonstrated, they can't help but want to be a part of that. Mm. They can't help but want that. You know, like, man, I said something really harsh to you, and you returned me, you returned kind words to me. What is that about? You know, like, that's foreign. You know, so I want to know what is going on with you. You don't talk the way you used to talk. 
Something is changing about you. And th that that's going to intrigue people and people are going to want a part. They want going to want a, a piece of what you have. And so that's that's our goal, man. I'm sorry that there's no magic bullet. You know, there there's no uh, uh, there's no uh, holy prayer cloth that we can dangle over people. <laughs> it's love, man, yeah. and relationships, bro. you know, and so those relationships are going to going to be on display. Yeah. You know, again, Jesus, hey, by this, I mean, I don't know. They don't know. How, why would they know Jesus? Because it's going to be on display. Mm -hmm. And when people see that, when a, when people see something nice on a mannequin in the window, they go in the store, you know? So that display of love, that display of patience, that display of peace or, or just on the face of the people of God in, in difficult times, it's, it's, it's attractive, yeah. you know? So, so that's what we're thinking, man. Just that's organic awesome. love, relationships, and invite people into the cornelia. Mm -hmm. You know, invite people into the relationship, into the fellowship. You know, the Bible says that they were with one accord. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead were already in one accord, and we joined them. And so we're going to ask other people to join us, that we join them. You know, so yeah. if that makes sense, man. No, that's if, great. If, like, if it does, it's what I believe. And I love, too, like the <laughs> how the gospel is at the center of all those things, because that's what really gives the power. Because it's, in one hand, you know, it could be really easy to just say, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be a church that that loves each other and that loves people, but what does that look like apart from the power of the gospel really giving people a a focus on seeing wanting to see people's come from from pass from death to life? You know what I mean? And so yeah, I love yeah. that, and I love that the gospel is kind of your lens that you're looking through love with, and how you're going to be building that that culture uh, from the beginning of your all's church. I think that's going to be really fruitful for you guys in the long run. Um, when you think about discipleship, helping your people grow, what are some of the keys that you guys are beginning to put in place even now to see those people that, that enter into your community, that become a part of your family? Uh, what does it look like to help them take those steps in walking with Jesus? Uh, you know, again, we could we keep the gospel in the middle, man. Yeah. And so we talk the gospel, we, we display the gospel, we question about the gospel, you know, hey, are you living it out? I mean, we challenge our men every week. Our men, has a, they, they have a gospel attribute hmm. that they have to give attention to every week, every week. Hey, man, were you, were you affectionate to your wife? That's one of the struggles that the brothers have been talking about. Hey, listen, so we got a challenge, you know, and listen, you know, okay, well, how are you demonstrating, you know, to your children? You know, and look, so they got to send pictures. They got to send wow. pictures of them just <laughs> loving on their kids. And, you know, and all it is, you know, we don't care about the picture. You know that, Graham. But we just want it to be on their mind that this is a part sure. of my discipleship. Yeah. Being a husband is a part of my discipleship. Being a good father, a good friend. I mean, it's a part of my discipleship. So everything at this point, man, now, as it relates to studies, uh, something that we like, uh, most people think we're crazy. Uh, for liking this and using this, but Master Light by Avery T. Willis. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that discipleship study. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, listen, that's probably why. Why not? Most people don't, they think I'm crazy. Uh, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I think they use it in the Philippines or something. But it is a very strict, you know, uh, discipleship program that we challenge people like crazy, man, to get mm -hmm. in the Word, to understand. You know, and it's like, you know, uh, I want to say uh, six different studies and uh so that's one of the things we use as it relates to uh you know uh, intelligibly you know it, it relates to our head you know discipleship and understanding the gospel and being committed to reading the word and mm -hmm. you know so we have that in place 
but most of it, man, you know, our, our discipleship process is small groups. Uh, I love small groups. I live by small groups um, and just development. So, you know, discover, develop, deploy, you know, find out those people, you know, most people, a lot of people never thought, man, you mean you're going to, you're going to ask me to pray, <laughs> you know, Hey dude, listen, you, if you say you're a believer, you ought to be able to pray. So a lot of times just that challenging, getting the men together, challenging one another and holding each other accountable, you know, there, you know, you can't, you're, you're going to be embarrassed to walk with us. If you're not, if you're not getting in your word, you're going to be embarrassed, you yeah. know, because we're going to challenge you like, Hey bro, you praying? Hey, you know, you know, well, how did you get to this point? You know, I mean, so it's accountability, but at the same time in a loving way and guys, are, you know, they encourage it, you know, uh, just give a story. We just had a guy had a zoom meeting. This was his first time coming, Graham. And he coming to our zoom meeting, he comes logs in and his wife, calls the friend that invited him and say, hey, I don't know what y'all said in that Zoom meeting, but one meeting and my husband's different. Wow. So I heard y'all going to start a ladies meeting. Can you please tell me when that's starting <laughs> so we can be on the same page? That's awesome. That's what the wife said. So, you know, we can have classes and things of that nature, but, you know, Paul told the church, you know, church Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of our thing, man. Let's walk together. Let's love together. Let's live together. You know, hey, you watch my husband, you know, watch me being a husband. You watch me being a father. Hey, tell me where I can be better. And we're open that way. And we're, we're having meetings and, you know, we meet together. We fellowship together. And you're just wanting to see what the Lord is going to do mm. with that. So mm. I don't believe that discipleship is linear. I don't believe there's a step one, step two, step, you know, I yeah. don't believe that. I think the discipleship happens and you don't even know what's happening mm. sometimes. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I've had guys that remind me, hey, man, you said the mission is greater than our problem. You know, I got a guy that tells you, I'm like, man, I don't remember saying that, but uh, sounds pretty true. <laughs> the mission <laughs> I'll is take greater credit for than it. Problem. The mission is greater than your situation. He always tell me that. You told me that, man, I'll never forget that. So a lot of times discipleship takes place and you don't even know it. The Holy Spirit is working through us and, you know, we don't even know it sometimes. Mm. So you, when you think about just the different experiences, again, that you've had, maybe it's with church planning or just some of the things that God's been teaching along the way. Um, what are what are maybe some of the best leadership lessons you've learned in your time in ministry? Um, you know, one one of I have to say the most powerful thing I've learned is you cannot pour into others what you don't have in yourself. Mm. You know, yeah, it's good. Um, and when I say that, you know, uh, if if any brother or, uh, has been in ministry for so much time, you, you've experienced burnout mm. in some way. And it's because, you know, we, we were not like Mary, you know, uh, we were more Martha, you know, we're just Martha, just working, working, working. But Jesus said, well, Mary's chosen the better thing, you know, you know, mm -hmm. so that's just sitting at the feet, being still and allowing our father to pour into us, you know, and so I think sometimes, what you know, as as ministers or pastors, we get on task, and we just know we're on task, you know, um, and so we forget to be God's child, you know. We forget to be sons of God, hmm. you know. We're God's pastors, yeah, and we forget to be sons of God. We forget to just sit at His feet and say, "Father, pour into me, Father, I'm wounded, I, I need I need healing, 
You know, I just need to, you know, no phone calls today. I just need to sit at your feet and just hear what you have to say to me. Mm-hmm. I just need some healing. I need you to pour into me. So that that would be the thing that I think that has been most detrimental as a pastor mm-hmm. is to remember to be a cup that goes to the as uh, in in the in the black church, uh, the majority black church. We grew up hearing the deacon pray this prayer. He would say, "I'm an empty pitcher." before a full fountain mm. you know and so uh so we have to we have to bring our empty pictures to the full fountain and allow god to refresh us allow god to pour into us and that we don't be on task so much that we forget that just like those that we're leading are children of god we are too we are a child of god as well and so we have to remember our humanity yeah. remember that we are you know uh no super without god you know the supernatural comes from him and uh and sometimes we burn out because of that so we got to remember to keep our cup full yeah. and keep ourselves refreshed uh, that's what that's what, you know feel that very strongly yeah you know line that really resonates with me because i think even as a young guy in ministry um you know I, i'm trying to fight for the mindset of i'm a disciple of jesus first more than i'm in pastoral leadership or i'm a leader for jesus or you know, even even with my marriage, with my with my daughter, you know, I'm I'm not just trying to be a faithful husband or a faithful father first. I'm trying to be faithful mm-hmm. to Jesus, and hopefully, everything right. else kind of lines up with that. But if Jesus isn't our first thought and He's not our first priority, then you know we're, we've already kind of taken a step uh, in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? And so Absolutely. it's uh that's that's man. Thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a really helpful helpful piece. Hopefully that that's really encouraging for somebody listening to that today. Kind of just to, to wrap us up, um, when you think about some different books or resources or anything that's kind of shaped you um, as a man of God or as a, as a leader or as a pastor, what are maybe a few different resources that come to mind that, that others could benefit from? Okay. You know, I, I want to say this, Graham, and I think, you know, this this will be another thing too, and, I, and I'll get to the books. Uh, someone said this to me, man, and this is something that has been so dear to my heart that I share this every opportunity I get. Mm. He simply said this, and this, I don't even know if it came from him. I don't know where it came from, but it stuck to my heart. And he said, private purity produces public power. Mm. I don't know where that came from. That's good. That guy said it. And man, that has been so real in my ministry that trying to keep my eyes pure, keep my heart pure, mm-hmm. that, you know, God, he, he, he can trust, he can use who he trusts, mm. you know? And so God can trust you with more, you know, when you're a good steward of those things that you have and those opportunities that you have. And so, uh, you know, integrity, man, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And, and, and in leadership, we've, we've had some some brothers who've fallen, you know? And so, uh, let's, let's, let's let that also be, you know, let me just tell you, that's what I learned. Mm. You know, that's a lesson that has been a blessing to me private purity produces public power mm. so and, and some of the books man that you know um you know a, a, a game changer for me and this is some of these books are going to be probably old to other people uh but these are the ones that changed my ministry yeah. uh one of them by uh tom rayner i believe and eric geiger if i'm not mistaken is simple church okay yeah simple church game changer for me mm-hmm. you know because i came from a background of loaded church, yeah, you know, programs. ministry, 
You know, I mean, so boy, you, you, I mean, they brag on, oh, we got 157 uh, ministries. Yes. Like, yes. oh my God, you know, you need to, you know, probably cut out about 150 of those. Right. You know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, transformational church, uh, Ed Stetzer, Tom Rayner, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Maxwell guy, man. Mm. Uh, I love all the laws. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Today matters by uh, John Maxwell, great book, you know, just about, you know, the importance of today and accomplishing the things, you know, that you would, uh, you would like to accomplish. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of Andy Stanley stuff, I, you know, um, I'm an Andy Stanley guy. I love Andy Stanley, love his, love his, uh, his leadership stuff. Uh, deep and wide, uh, visioneering, um, uh, making vision stick, um, you know, so, I, I love leadership stuff. Man. Yeah, that's great. And so, uh, so that's that's those are some of the things that I'm you know, right now. I'm reading uh, the celebration of um, of uh, the disciplines, celebration of disciplines uh, by uh, Foster. Uh, mm. So that's it's so those are some those are some things. Richard Foster, yeah, celebration of dis- disciplines. Um, Sticky teams by Larry Osborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sticky church, you know. Uh, so those are some things, man. It's on my mind. I'm just loaded uh, That's awesome. right now. Stuff floating all over the place. But uh, but right now, Celebration of Discipline is something that I'm reading. Um, and I, I love podcasts, man. Uh, I'm a podcast junkie. My wife called podcasts my girlfriends, you know, <laughs> in the shower. I, I can relate podcasts. to that. <laughs> I can relate to that. What are some of your favorite yeah, podcasts? Uh, Besides this one, of course. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This this is my new favorite. Uh <laughs> You know, yeah, Tom, Tom, you know, Tom Rainer's leadership podcast, um, you know, uh, Andy Stanley, um, uh, my mind's drawing a blank. Um, uh, um, uh, Life Church, uh, Craig Rochelle uh, leadership. Craig podcast. Rochelle. Mm-hmm, that's a yeah, great one. Craig, Craig Rochelle. Uh, I gotta throw, I gotta throw my boy Chad in there, man. I gotta yeah. throw the, the change up, man. The change up. Um, you know, so so, uh, but I love them, man. I have a list of them, and I and I and I have to have to have a yeah. podcast every day. You know, I like, get it throughout the day. I so, get it. Uh, but yeah, man. So, uh, I, but I but I do I believe this that when we when we cease to learn, man, we cease to live, man, and we mm. we we lose we lose our edge on leadership and and what we should you know accomplish. You know, God has a lot of fresh stuff for us, man, and. Uh, uh, let me say, I heard I heard John Maxwell say this man. Bless my heart so much. He, he was talking about it in one of the, one of his teachings. He was saying that uh, that sometimes God wants to do something fresh with us, but we're still uh, we're still kind of utilizing what the revelation we got years ago. And so he had to go to his library uh, of all of his notes, and he had to throw them away. Wow so that he would have a fresh time with God and fresh vision. Hmm. And so I just thought that was so cool because I've done that, you know, that when you just get burnt out, man, you're, you're just re-preaching some stuff that Revelation God gave you years right. ago. And so so we ought to constantly seek God so that we can have fresh manna, hmm. you know, and be able to preach an on-time word for whoever we are and whoever it is at the time. Hmm. 
That's awesome. Wani, thanks so much. This time was rich with you. Just so much uh, wisdom and just encouraging to hear just how God's uh, at work in your life and the life of your church. I'm really excited to see what God does with one church um, in the in the, in the the future. And uh, I'm really thankful for your time today, Lonnie. I know that you've been uh, impactful for me and impactful for our listeners as well. So I just appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you for your thank time. You, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me, brother. Been a great pleasure, and it's great meeting you, man. Hopefully, we can break bread together. I one love day. it, man. I love it. Let's do it over some uh, good Cajun food sometime. Oh yeah, we I got it. it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe, share, and rate so that others can be impacted as well. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at GCL Pod. And join us again next week for another episode of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast.